To get started, crack open your Bibles to Hebrews 11. It's before James and after Philemon, and we were there last week. So hopefully you guys remember if you were there. If not, I'm going to do some talking first so you have time to look. Um, yeah, I'm going to put that there. Okay. Well, last week, like Matt said, we talked about um, the first three verses of Hebrews 11, what faith is. And through this passage, we really do learn a good deal about what faith is. Um, first, it's not something wishy-washy. It's not something like, oh man, maybe if I have more faith, maybe I should get faith. It's something steady and firm, not just something that can excuse away ignorance when we don't understand or just be like, oh, well, if you, I, you got to have more faith to get this. You got to do something more to get more faith. It's just, that's not what it is. Instead, Hebrews 11 tells us that faith, first, is the assurance of things hoped for. Um, assurance meaning reality and guarantee. Um, that's what, yeah, um, what assurance means. So it's something guaranteed, something made reality. And it's, what's made reality is the things hoped for. Mm. Not hoped for, like hoping for a big fish when you go out fishing or hoping for good weather Friday to go on a nice hike because we just hope that maybe this will happen. But instead, our hope is something sure, something sure in the future. Our biggest hope is the return of Jesus Christ. And it's not a hope like, oh man, I sure hope Jesus is coming back. That would be great. It's Jesus is coming back, and I hope in that. My faith is in that. Faith is also, um, verse 1 says, the conviction of things not seen. Basically, Strongly believing something is true is a conviction. It's like, I'm convicted of this. And it's something that we're firmly believing in even though we don't see it. And this is something we get from God. Ephesians 2.8 tells us that it's by grace that we are saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So faith is a gift that gives us a strong conviction of things we don't see right now. And then verse 2 says that, for by it the people of old received their commendation. Talking about the Old Testament saints who we're going to start going through this summer, that's who received their commendation, were accepted before God. And finally, verse 3 says that, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible, or excuse me, that are visible. Our faith is in a creator who made things out of nothing. And we can understand that more than anyone who tries to explain it with things that are made with evolution, with some sort of big bang that happened millions and millions of years ago. Our faith is in a creator God. And we know that we can place faith in God and in his word because he is faithful and true, and we can see that all throughout scripture. So that's kind of a summary of what faith is. Um, and that's something we need to keep in mind tonight and through the rest of the semester as we study. Summer, it's not a semester, summer, as we, as we keep looking at these saints. So, with that, we're going to get started. Look at verse 4 of Hebrews 11 with me. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So as we see that verse, really, I'm going to try to break that down and give you guys three things to take away. Number one, and these are all on your handouts, and they're the big numbers there. So number one, who Abel is and what Abel did. That's the first thing we'll learn. Second thing we'll learn is what happened because of what Abel did. And the third thing we'll do 
is learn how Abel still speaks and teaches even now. So to break this down, let's start with number one, who Abel is and what he did. So if you look at verse 4, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Um, Abel is an Old Testament character. You have to go back all the way to Genesis 4 to look at him, so let's do that together, all the way in the very beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter 4. Um, starting in verse 1, and I'm probably going to read at least through verse 7, maybe more, depending on if I want to add it or not. <laughs> um, so we'll just start reading in verse 1 of chapter 4. Now Adam knew, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Um, well, yeah, we'll stop there at verse 7. So these seven verses lay out very well who Abel is and what he did. Abel, as you can see, is one of the sons of Adam and Eve. Um, he, along with Cain, were the third and fourth humans on the earth. And each of them, it says, takes an op- occupation. So after they're born, they start growing up. Adam and Eve raise them, and they decide to basically take a job because, I mean, what else is there to do? There's literally no other people around, so you might as well work. (laughs) Um, And in verse, verse, um, sorry, yeah, part of verse 2, second part, it says, Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. So Cain becomes a farmer, growing fruit, and Abel becomes a shepherd, a keeper of sheep. Um, And we also see that they do a little bit more than just work. They actually strive to worship God. These next few verses lay that out. Um, Starting in verse 3, it says, In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So through offerings and sacrifice, from their work, these two men are going to offer and sacrifice to God and worship him. And through this worship, Hebrews 11, remember, tells us that Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. And while we look at these verses, we've got to ask, well, well, how did he do that? How is Abel's sacrifice more acceptable than Cain's? First of all, remember, Hebrews 11 says it was by faith. And that's the big thing. Faith is our focus, and faith is what led each of these saints to do what they did. And faith is what led Abel to offer a more acceptable sacrifice. Um, in Genesis, we get a clearer understanding of why Abel's sacrifice was more acceptable than, Cain, than Cain's. Um, if you look at verses 3 and 4, you see what each of these brought. Cain brought fruit, and Abel brought she, um, from his flock, from his sheep. And... 
So, but we see something else here. Cain, it says, brings an offering of the fruit of the ground. It doesn't say anything special about the fruit. But Abel, in verse 4, it says, Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So the firstborn is going to be the best lamb you have. And the fat portions, if you, if you eat meat, like I hope a lot of, all of you do, <laughs> you know that the stuff with some fat on it tastes better. It's the best part of the meat. And so Abel is bringing the best of what he has to God. He wants God to understand, this is the best of what I have. I'm giving this to you. And Cain's just like, well, here's some fruit. I picked a banana and an apple and a pineapple. Here you go. Maybe. I don't know what he brought, actually. <laughs> it doesn't say. It just says fruit. Um, so Abel's sacrifice was worth the most to him. He's like, this is the best I have, but I'm going to give it to God. And Cain wants to keep his best for himself because it tastes good, I guess. Just give it, give whatever's left to God. Along with that, there's a difference in between fruit and meat. The, this is um, the fact that Abel's sacrifice is blood. You see that there's a blood sacrifice and a fruit offering. Um, and I'm going to tell you right now, and I'll explain why, that the blood was, better, was a better sacrifice than just fruit. Um, Hebrews 9.22 tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And the law always demanded a blood sacrifice for a sin offering. But we know that the story of Cain and Abel is before Hebrews 9.22 was written and before the law was given. So there's got to be some more understanding as to why blood was known to be more acceptable because they knew that. They knew that you needed blood for the forgiveness of sins. God doesn't change that throughout history. It was the same before the law was given. It was the same when Jesus died. And it, it's the same always. Um, and it was through revelation from God that these two brothers knew what was supposed to be offered up. It doesn't say right in the verses that God told them, give me blood sacrifice, and Cain didn't, and Abel did. But you can see, it says in verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought. And so they knew at some specific time they were supposed to bring an offering. And also, they're going to, like, it sounds like they're going to a specific place. It's not like they're just going, oh, I'm going to go, give something to God over here, and I'm going to go over here. They went together to a specific place, it sounds like. So they knew when to worship, and they knew where to worship. And along with that, they probably also knew how to worship and with what to worship. And undoubtedly, they learned this from their parents, from Adam and Eve, who had brought sin into the world and had seen the ways God is going to redeem mankind and if you remember back, the fall is in Genesis chapter 3. So one chapter earlier is the fall. And through that, Adam and Eve, along with all descendants, are cursed by sin. But God does something very significant. In verse 21 of chapter 3, it's, um, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So what God does is takes an animal and kills it and makes suitable clothing for Adam and Eve. Instead of the leaves that they were covering with, God says, you aren't acceptable before me right now. I'm going to kill this animal, and I'm going to give you an acceptable appearance before me. So God is making Adam and Eve acceptable through giving them garments of skin. And they see the shedding of blood, this type of redemption almost, before God. And they, 
and you can begin to understand that blood is needed for the forgiveness of sins. So Cain and Abel then had to have learned from their parents where to worship, when to worship, and how to worship through sacrifice, through blood sacrifice, not just whatever we want. So Abel's was more acceptable because of a lot of different things. It was more acceptable because it was done in faith. It was more acceptable because he brought the best of what he had. And it was more acceptable because he brought blood. And Cain chose to disobey that. He chose to just bring fruit. But you can't excuse away Cain's disobedience by saying, oh, well, he's just a farmer. He doesn't have blood. His brother's a shepherd. And his brother brought one lamb. There's probably at least one other lamb that Abel has that he can give to his brother. And so Cain can also bring an acceptable sacrifice to God. Cain is just disobedient. And that's why Abel's offering was more acceptable. Well, that kind of sums up who Abel is and what Abel did. And so then we move on to, que- on to number two, what happened. So go back with me to Hebrews 11. And to continue on the verse, it says, By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. What happened when Abel did this was Abel obtained righteousness through his faithful sacrifice. Righteousness was imputed to, to Abel and not to Cain. It was given to him. But let me be clear, it's not a righteousness obtained by works. It's not because... Abel killed a, a lamb and gave it to God that God said, you're righteous, and Cain is not. Remember, this is all by faith. Abel wasn't made righteous because he did something, but because he believed God and that God would make him righteous. So he obeyed God and brought an acceptable sacrifice, saying, God, I believe you and what you've asked of me. Only you can make me righteous Only you can save me from my sins. Only you can wash them away. And so I'm going to obey you. Sacrifice this in humble obedience because that's what you asked me. That's what you've demanded. And when he made the sacrifice, God saw his faith and God commended him as righteous. And if there's any doubt that this is a righteousness of God, if you look at the next phrase in Hebrews, it says God commending him by accepting his gifts. This is not some man-made righteousness. God is literally giving righteousness to Abel. And also, in Genesis 4, I'm just going to read this. You don't have to jump back. But verses 4 and 5 we read, said, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. And so, God sees the way in which Abel offered his sacrifice in humble faith, in obedience, and accepted that and gave regard to Abel while looking at Cain's disobedience and not giving him regard. The word commending here in Hebrews 11, just to kind of add this in as well, uh, means to bear witness or to testify. So God then testified of Abel's righteousness. Basically what he says is, I see this and I'm saying out loud to others, this is righteousness given to Abel because of what he did. And we don't really know how they knew. Honestly, I kind of think the lamb was probably consumed by fire. If you look at other 
accounts of sacrifice throughout the rest of the Old Testament, it's always by fire that God consumes the acceptable sacrifice. And it doesn't say it here, but Cain and Abel both knew that Abel's was sacrificing, Cain's wasn't, because Cain went away with his face fallen and he was angry. And so they knew. Um, and so God was testifying before them that Abel was made righteous. So what we see from Abel is a faith that proves itself. And that's the kind of faith that God desires. That's the kind of faith that is only acceptable to God. You, you can see that Cain believed in God even enough to give an offering. He's going to say, well, I'm going to try to worship God. I believe he's there. I believe he's real. But he didn't trust God. He didn't believe God. He believed in God. Abel, on the other hand, sees God and sees his need for God that he can't make it on his own and trusts him. And it must be a faith that proves itself that's true faith. Jesus himself said in John eight thirty one. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So in order to, as Jesus said, remain a disciple, you have to abide in his word, remain in his word, obey him. And Abel did that. Abel obeyed God and proved that he had true faith, while Cain was just like, Well, I say I have faith, and I'm going to try to prove my faith and work my way to God. Um, this is also what James says to the Jewish believers. If you guys were at all involved with Cross Life this last semester, you know we studied through James at our community groups. And in chapter, if you'll jump over to James chapter 2, one book over, James clearly lays out that there must be something that proves your faith. First, if you look at James 2 verse 17, James said, So also, by faith, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And this whole passage is basically saying that. I'm just going to pick out these two verses. And also verse 26 of chapter 2. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So James lays it out very, very clearly. There's no other way to work around this. Faith without works is dead. Abel's faith was not dead while Cain's was. So if you go back to Hebrews 11 again with me. That's how, that's what we learned, that's what happened. Abel was commended as righteous before, before God, and God commended him. And the last part we want to look at is how Abel speaks and teaches now. So this last part of the verse says, And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Which is, kind of blows me away right away, because it's like, he's dead. He was killed by his brother. I mean, just quickly after they had these offerings to, the God, offerings to God. But by his faith, though he's dead, he still speaks. We can still hear of it now. <clears throat> yeah. Um, what we learn here is that Abel leaves for all an example of a genuine believer. His faith is speaking to us even now. Remember, Abel is the fourth human on the earth. And the very first believer. He is the first man of faith. Adam and Eve probably repented, probably had some faith, but they could look back to their time in the garden with God and be like, yeah, I walked with God. I talked with God. I know he's real. I know who he is and I trust in him. Cain and Abel didn't. They were born outside of the garden after the fall of man and had to trust solely by faith 
that God was true and that what he said was true. And since he was the first man of faith, every man and woman of faith since then can look to Abel as an example. Enoch probably looked to Abel. Noah probably looked to Abel. Abraham looked to Abel. Moses looked to Abel. These guys probably looked through hearing this story told to them by parents. But then after Moses writes down the account of Genesis and the rest of the law, people, others can look to Abel as well. David can look to Abel. Um, Samson can look to Abel. Just all of the men after the law was written can look to Abel as his account is written down. And here, this is what true faith is like. This is how we're supposed to live. This is how we're supposed to walk with God by genuinely worshiping him and showing our faith through what we do. And we too, now thousands of years after Abel lived, can listen to what Abel tells us. To live by faith alone. Abel went to the went to God in the way he prescribed. He knew that God demanded sacrifice and obeyed. Now, now God has fulfilled that sacrifice. Instead of having to go and bring a sacrifice like Abel did, there's a different way. Because the ultimate blood that was shed was Jesus Christ's blood. And that sacrifice fulfills all, all the blood that God needs. And we can look to that and trust in Jesus Christ and God imputes to us righteousness because we live by faith in that. But that doesn't excuse us for not walking in a way that God demands because we have faith in Jesus. If you have faith in Christ, you must obey as well. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior yet, you must look to him. That's what God demands is that you look to Jesus Christ who shed his blood for our sins. So our faith, just like Abel's faith though, is still in God because Jesus Christ is God. He died for our sins. He shed blood and gives us righteousness. And so we live in the same way Abel lived. And to close, I want to turn, with, turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at one more verse there. And I think, I think this is a good verse to bring up um, as we think about sacrifice a little bit too because of Abel's sacrifice. And we don't have to offer a blood sacrifice anymore, but we do still need to sacrifice. And that's what Paul is laying out here in Romans 12. He's just laid out basically every single doctrine you could ever want in the Bible is in Romans 1 through 11. And in verse 12, we get into do this because of what you believe, because of what you heard. And so in verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And so we still are a living sacrifice to God. We still live in a way that worships him and leaves behind all the rest, sacrificially. We have to give something up if we want to follow Jesus Christ. Abel gave up the best of what he had. We give up the best this world has to offer because what God has to offer is far better. His righteousness given to us. And why do we do this? Well, Paul says, because it's our spiritual worship. If you want to truly worship God, live sacrificially. Follow him, obey God, and walk by faith. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you for today. Thanks for your word and for the example of Abel that you've written down for us. God, I pray that as we think about this, we would consider how Abel lived by faith alone. And that's, how, that's what you demand of us too. And that we would be living sacrifices because of our faith. God, we thank you for bringing us here tonight, for giving us your word that we can look at and be taught by. And God, I pray that it, it works in our lives, that we do the word because of what you've said and because we believe in you. I pray this all in your Holy Son's name. Amen.